to the Summer Hits episodes of the Win-Win Evangelism podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum. This summer, we're highlighting the top five episodes of 2022. This is number two. Thanks for listening to our show and welcome to you if you're new. If you're looking for further resources in evangelism, please check out our online courses and coaching programs. Now let's get into this week's episode. Today I'm speaking with John Drain, who is in Scotland. John is a Scottish theologian and has in fact written many, many books, some that have been bestsellers around the world. And I'm most excited because John has on several occasions preached for the Queen and met the Queen and the family. And we're going to talk about the Queen's faith being a light for Christ. So welcome to you, John. Thank you, Tina. It's a pleasure to be able to speak with you today. John, it's fascinating for me to uh, know somebody that has actually met the Queen, has preached for the Queen. Tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, where you are as we're doing this recording right now, and when did you first meet the Queen? Right now, I'm sitting in my office in near to Glasgow in Scotland, And I first met the Queen when I was living a bit further north in Aberdeenshire. And I got an invitation out of the blue, would I like to spend a weekend with Her Majesty and whoever else was there, other members of the family at Balmoral, which was not that far from where I was living at the time. So you can guess that uh, it took me quite a long time to decide what to do with this invitation. But I did say yes, and uh, I became one of a long line, actually, of uh, visiting preachers who they have invited over many years. I think this is a long-standing thing that um, when they were at uh, Balmoral for their summer holidays, which extend for maybe seven or eight weeks each year, they would invite people to spend a weekend with them and preach in the local church in Crathy, which is right next to the main entrance of Balmoral, really, and um, spend the weekend talking about all sorts of things with them. But uh, faith definitely was top of the agenda, obviously. So it's about being pastor to the Queen and her family for a weekend, if you like. What an extraordinary response. I mean, as an Aussie sitting on the other side of the world, it's quite surreal uh, to be having this conversation. Now, to give uh, the listeners a little bit of context, um, John, you and I met, actually, you were my professor at a doctoral class um, through Fuller Institute in uh, Pasadena, California. You came to Australia, to South Australia, and that's where we met. And uh, how was the meeting for you, John? I remember it being memorable meeting you and your lovely wife, Olive. Yeah, it was an interesting uh, group that we brought together in Adelaide, wasn't it? I'm trying to think what the theme was. I think it was something about storytelling and narrative theology or something along those lines, because if I remember rightly, everybody crafted a story, which we all shared, I think, didn't we, on the the final day, and as, as I recall, People brought their friends or family or whatever to um, a kind of performance, which was actually the final day of a course that my wife Olive had taught several times on the campus in Pasadena 
on storytelling and uh, sharing faith and so on. Your story must have been good because you passed, didn't you? <laughs> you were very gracious and you uh, gave me a very good mark. So it's really been a blessing actually meeting you and Olive and then years later, here we are still connected. So tell me what it's like before I ask questions about the faith of the Queen and her faith as a light for Christ. Is it surreal turning up at Balmoral and meeting the Queen and the family? Take me back to that. What was it like for you? Uh, different. I guess that uh, when you've not met people like this before, you wonder what it's going to be like. So I guess driving across the bridge over the river into Balmoral itself is uh, a surreal kind of experience because... Um, soldiers open the gate for you to get through and they know who you are of course because you've been well researched in advance by the security people um, I think the first difference would be that I parked my car and I didn't need to do anything else because there was somebody there who would take my bags um, put them in my bedroom that I was going to sleep in for the weekend take the car and while I was doing my thing for the next couple of days they cleaned the car they washed the car so yes I think it was uh, it was a different experience having people do all that kind of ordinary stuff for you and then uh, just being introduced in a normal kind of fashion to whoever was there on, on that occasion which was Her Majesty and Prince Philip and various other members of the royal family, along with a handful of other guests for the weekend. Incredible. Now, we know since the passing of the Queen, we know more than ever, I think, about the Queen's faith. What was it that you noticed about her and her faith, even on that first meeting and that hanging out, so to speak, that weekend? Well, in terms of the actual service that was to be on the Sunday morning, the text that I was given was uh, Mark chapter 8, where that big question is asked, who do people say that I am? And, you know, uh, the disciples speculate was Jesus, John the Baptist, come back, Elijah, whatever, whatever. And um, I thought that was a great question to address to the royal family in that sermon. Uh, at the time, there was a TV series, which you may have come across, entitled Who Do You Think You Are?, in which various celebrities are taken back through their family history and usually unearth people they didn't know about. I remember reflecting in advance this could be a poison chalice, as it were, you know, asking the Queen and her family, who do you think you are? Who do people say you are? Are you the real? Are you really like that underneath? And so on. But I guess, yeah, I thought I might never meet them again. So why not go with that text and ask that question? And of course, um, what I discovered was that that is exactly the right question to ask. And that led to some really significant conversations about, um, well, I remember one member of the family saying something along the line of, well, you know that we're all mongrels, really, don't you? Because, well, if you look at the history of the royal family, they've married and intermarried from all over Europe and so on. And uh, I think it was probably taking that bold approach and asking that question, which, of course, I've put in the context of uh, all of us being made in the image of God, 
and therefore of value. I think it was asking that question up front that kind of um, opened up all sorts of conversations about faith as to what it would mean to actually be a follower of Jesus in terms of how we live our lives. And I remember um, the Queen saying to me something along the lines of having a lot of dogma always invites debate and disagreement, she said. And it's easy to deal with because we have to take sides. You're either for somebody or against somebody. But she says, when you're in relationship with Jesus and with God, that invites us to be companions on the journey with others. And I think that, I'm I'm paraphrasing probably what she said, but uh, along those lines, I do remember her contrasting uh, dogma, which you need to know who's in and who's out. Whereas following Jesus, can come in many different shapes and forms. And of course, that was one of the themes, key themes of her life, as she explained in many of her Christmas messages in particular. Absolutely incredible, John. I mean, I just love those those last few comments that you made um, about the Queen. It's hard to reconcile in my own mind that you are there preaching for the Queen, then discussing your message at the church and then back at Balmoral. Uh-huh. Was life always also quite um, normal? Like, what did you eat while you were there? Did you eat with the royal family? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, it's well known by those who've had this experience that um, one of the highlights of those weekends at Balmoral uh, was having barbecues in the grounds. And uh, I certainly remember having a barbecue on, I think, the Saturday night, probably. And the Queen herself drove us to wherever the barbecue site was. And uh, Prince Philip cooked, um, I'm trying to think, something with pasta, anyway, if I remember rightly. And uh, then, of course, we all washed up afterwards. So standing around the kitchen sink, you do have different kinds of conversations as well. So yes, I I think hospitality uh, was really important. And of course, that's an important gospel value as well. So being welcomed as part of the family for that weekend and doing ordinary stuff uh, like, well, (laughs) washing the dishes after a barbecue, very informal indeed. And, and great fun, actually. It's not often that someone says to me, the Queen drove me to the barbecue, picked us up and drove us herself. <laughs> and then you stood around the kitchen doing the dishes. So just entertain me. Does the Queen wear rubber gloves? I think she, I remember she did. Yes, yes, she did. I'm trying to remember what colour they were. I think they might have been blue, actually. Um, but, I, you know, I, I wouldn't swear to that. But, yeah, she definitely wore rubber gloves in washing the dishes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on to a little bit more of a serious conversation, but this is just absolutely fascinating. I, I could talk to you for hours, John. What do you think is um, the greatest contributions or where do you feel, as you've reflected on the Queen's life, where she has made the most proclamation, I guess, about her faith in Christ? Yeah, well, obviously, I think in in many of her Christmas messages, she said very upfront things about Jesus being the the guide of her life. And and I think um, that certainly would be the key 
kind of message coming out was that for her following Jesus and using those words, I'm following Jesus, rather than even being a good Christian, it was always about Jesus. And uh, she was absolutely steeped in the gospel stories, as well as the whole of scripture, actually. And uh, I have some friends who uh, tell me that when they have met her and been talking about uh, the Bible, for example, that if they quoted it wrongly or said a certain thing was found in, let's say, Psalm 21, she would correct them and say, well, actually, I think that might be in Psalm 35, you know. So she was definitely soaked in scripture. And I think that would have been true of her generation, of course, because uh, back in, in, in the day, which we're talking now almost 100 years ago, learning the Bible off by heart would have been one of the things that lots of children did. And that certainly is one of the things that um, was part of her education, not learning the whole Bible, but, you know, significant passages like the Psalms, like um, passages of the Gospels and indeed the Epistles as well. So I think she was definitely steeped in Scripture and could quote it quite uh, relevantly in many different circumstances. But ultimately, I think Jesus was her role model in terms of um, both his challenge of people as well as his affirmation and, and love for people, which, I mean, must be very, very difficult when you think of somebody like that, born into very constrained circumstances, or at least she wasn't because nobody in her family ever expected to become king or queen. So we've got to remember when she became queen, it wasn't where she expected to end up her life either. But um, certainly I think faith was one of the things, maybe the key thing, faith and her husband, Prince Philip, were the two things that appeared to me to sustain her throughout life. And, and of course, I need to say that uh, he shared the same faith uh, in, in fact, in talking about faith uh, on occasions when I met him, uh, we certainly discovered that he and I had the same sort of mischievous sense of humour about all sorts of stuff, in, including cheeky questions about faith, you know, <laughs> which can get you into lots of trouble sometimes. <laughs> I'm a little bit uh, scared or apprehensive to ask what those are because we do know that the, the Prince Philip was did have that cheeky, mischievous uh, side to him. Do you want to elaborate on that or not? I'll leave that up to you. Well, I remember on one occasion um, having a, I must have mentioned a, a website uh, which I think is called Atheists for Jesus or Atheists in Love with Jesus or something like that. And uh, we had one of those kind of slightly cynical, mischievous kind of conversations along the lines of whether atheists actually understood Jesus better than church leaders and other people. So, yes, and I remember that conversation actually must have been one of the longest I ever had with him, certainly because we then looked at all sorts of websites together and, and explored whatever was going on there. So, yes, I, I think he could see through people is what I would say is, is probably a good way to put it. Uh, see through the pretense of so many religious people, actually, and um, ask what is really going on here and what really makes you tick as a Christian, which um, I guess the Queen herself embodied what really makes somebody tick as a um 
follower of Jesus. And, you know, everybody has talked about her commitment, faithfulness, honesty, service, all those kinds of things. Um, and I, I think that would be one of the key things that I is in my memory of her is that in, in many respects, she had a very uncomplicated kind of faith in the sense that she read scripture and um, took it at face value. Um, but she also lived it out to the best of her ability. And I think it was that living out that a lot of people have noticed and, and drawn attention to in recent years. Yes, absolutely, and very much so um, now with the passing of the Queen. Of course, we've just had the funeral, uh, which was just incredible to watch. For you, John, um, as a follower of Christ, what are you taking away in terms of uh, things that you've noticed about the Queen that would help you yourself continue to be a light for Christ in the world? Yeah, I think taking Jesus really seriously and I think we miss, I mean, there are many challenging things in there and we could go down a different track and, and highlight some of the things that the Queen must have found really challenging. But I think having Jesus at the centre rather than our church traditions or indeed kind of theological constructs and belief systems and, and so on, I, I think Going back to the essentials, that's that's what I meant when I said I thought her faith was quite uncomplicated. Um, she saw the pictures of Jesus in the Gospels and said, yeah, well, Jesus invites us to follow him and be like him. So let's do that. And uh, I don't mean to suggest that she didn't have any kind of belief system or structure, but um, it was in the following that um, all that would emerge for her, I think, rather than believing the right things first, it would be behaving like Jesus. And then actually, you know, Jesus did that with the disciples. He, he welcomed whoever showed up, gave them experiences, and then now and again said, well, what do you think about whatever happened back then? And it was out of that that their belief systems, if you like, emerged. And I think for her, she very much saw herself as a disciple, a follower, somebody who, yeah, had bigger challenges than any of us could really imagine. Uh, because, you know, church people debate about things like predestination and so on. I mean, if you're born into a family like that, where your entire future is laid out for you, then predestination takes on a whole different <laughs> A ethos entirely. So I, I think it's uh, it's it's not easy to break out of that, especially when you're part of a, a national international system that depends on your presence and, and involvement and engagement. So I think that's one of the things as well as we look to the future that we should be praying for King Charles as he now is, that that sense of duty and obligation, which can become very restrictive, can also be life-changing for other people and life-giving uh, as a kind of witness to qualities and standards and expectations that are well beyond ourselves. So yeah, I think thinking about Her Majesty 
I think she gave an example of how to live in really quite, I know it sounds silly to say difficult circumstances because she didn't struggle with the same stuff as most of us of injustice and lack of money and all that kind of thing. But I sometimes think that maybe it's easier to um, struggle with the things that we struggle with than it is to be born into those kind of circumstances. So very well said and just fascinating. I'm reflecting on just about every sentence that you're <laughs> saying here, uh, John. It's just an incredible, incredible moment in history and to then hear from yourself as you've spent time. I know you've also spent time um, with the family at Windsor and we don't have time in this episode, maybe in the future if I can twist your arm uh-huh. <laughs> to come back. But I know you have a few uh, videos out that you've just released yourself on YouTube. Tell us a bit about those that are connected to the Queen at this time. Well, I th- I've been thinking about how we respond in, in a sort of post secular culture which we're now in really to events like this and I remember back when Princess Diana died in 1997 everybody was really taken aback by the public response and the way people kind of uh, identified with her so I've been thinking about what does I suppose what the academics would call civic religion if you like what does that look like in the 21st century when on the one hand Everybody wants to say, oh, we're post-religious. We don't believe anything. You don't need that stuff. And yet there's definitely something spiritual about this whole question of wanting to to be there, to identify with, with these big kind of upheavals of our time. So I started reflecting on the events of her death and the aftermath and the way people responded from that angle rather than from the angle of starting with the Queen and the royal family. And I I think prayer is one of the big things that I see taking place here. Not necessarily people putting their hands together and and praying prayers, but uh, Martin Luther Uh, famously said that work can be prayer and um, I I think we can do things that are effectively reaching out uh, to to a God who many of us don't know really uh, which actually is reflected in in the New Testament if you think about it St Paul wrote in Romans that sometimes our prayers are so kind of deeply embedded in our angst and our we, we just don't know how to say anything and he said, talks about the spirit taking all those feelings that we don't know what to do with and somehow giving us a medium to express them with. And as I've looked at what's been going on in the last couple of weeks now, uh, yes, I, I started thinking, what is this saying? So, yes, I did make some videos which reflected on that from different angles about uh, what is the promise of uh, what's going on here, what are we looking for, what does all this mean in the big picture of who we might become in the 21st century. And one of my conclusions is that whilst 20 years ago it was often thought that faith had no future, I think faith in the coming days looks different than it would have done you know, certainly 50, 60, 70 years ago, but there's a much more profound spiritual search for something that makes sense out of life or connects us with something bigger than ourselves that uh, is going on here. So for me, as a Christian, and particularly as a a, a Christian who uh, reflects on 
what does it mean to be a person of faith, a follower of Jesus in this context in which we find ourselves, rather than, as some would say, we're in a bad place. I think we're in a good place, but we need to rethink what we're about, reimagine what it means to follow Jesus in this point in the 21st century. And what we see around us, not just connected with the Queen, but you can see the same kinds of movements all over the place as people are asking big questions about what's going on in the world, who can we trust, um, what does it mean to be human, how can I get through from today to tomorrow, actually, and still be sane? These are questions that I think are locked away at the heart of all of us, and uh, to which the answer really, or an answer is, yeah, as Jesus says, come and hang out with me and see what happens next. So that for me is the invitation that I would be engaging with people. Yes, fascinating, John. Just some incredible conversation here tonight. And I'm going to drop into our show notes those links so that you can go and connect with John on those videos and some other spaces. I'll drop those all into the show notes. But John, this has just been fascinating. I'm really praying that I can twist your arm and do this again. So thank you so much for your time and uh, just such a blessing to talk with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me, Tina. It's been a real pleasure to uh, talk across the world and to discover that we're all wrestling with the same stuff. I think that's really encouraging as well. So thanks. Thanks, John. Thanks so much for listening to the Win Win Evangelism podcast today. If this was helpful for you, please share it with others so they can learn also. If you, your small group or your church would like to upskill more in personal evangelism, learn how it can be easy, natural and not forced, why don't you check out our online free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. I trust that our podcast and our online personal evangelism course can be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.